And we're here with episode number 39. Before we get started, I just want to say this podcast is brought to you by Laura Lee Smith. She's a real estate agent with Better Homes and Garden Real Estate in the Bryan College Station, Texas and surrounding area. And if you've ever dreamt of buying your home or property and you've said those words out loud and Laura Lee can hear you, you will have paperwork by the end of the day to sign on that very same thing. That's what we did. We just said, hey, Laura Lee, we would really love to own our own property. And then felt like by the end of the day, we had paperwork in front of us, we were signing, and now we are fixing to move into our very first home together, and we're so happy about it. She makes the process completely painless. She crosses all her T's, dots all her I's, protects both the buyer and the seller, whichever one she's taking care of, and makes the process as painless as possible. I didn't think buying a home could be this easy, but Laura Lee makes it happen. So if you're thinking about buying a new home or upgrading your home because your family's growing or you're looking to buy that commercial property for your business, Laura Lee can take care of you. Her number is 979-218-2315. That's 979-218-2315. Call her, text her anytime and she'll take care of you, I promise. Now, this episode is with Cadre CT, or CT as most people know him. Um, he served the majority of his time in the Army as a Green Beret in the 3rd Special Forces Group. He's done contract work overseas. He has done many things. Right now, he works for Team RWB, that's Team Red, White, and Blue, in the local community and across everywhere. Uh, he, he can explain more about what he does there, and, and we're going to post links for all this stuff. And also, Go Ruck. Uh, he does those events, and he's just... Overall, he has a great perspective on life, and you can tell just I really love the conversation that we had. Uh, I do have to say that the views represented in this podcast are his own and not that of Team RWB or GORUCK or any other organization. Um, I have to say that before we get started just to cover everything, but really, what an amazing, amazing conversation. I can't say enough about it. I could have talked to him for a week. With no energy drinks, no coffee, no caffeine, just his stories to fuel my interest. So, I've said enough. I've done enough blabbing on this mic. Please, without any further ado, welcome Cadre CT. Okay, it's going. So we were just talking about you being in Japan. Yeah. Which is a wild experience in and of itself. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, it was awesome. It's uh it's been one of my favorite places to, to visit. Yeah. You, you, did you take your kids over there? I don't remember if you said that or not. This last trip I did. The last uh, trip you took Yeah, the kids. first time I did not. Um, but the second time it worked out to where, um, yeah, able to get them over there. Like the first time going over, um, it was, yeah, kind of kind of short notice. But I, I really didn't know what to expect going over there to begin with, you know. And, um probably my wife was tied up with work so the timing wasn't good um and probably school with my son you know the timing wasn't good either because it was late september um yeah it was late september that, that year we went over okay right. what was the what's the weather like in september does they have weather changes there yeah it's pretty similar to here um their winter is the same time as us um so, like, when we were in Tokyo this past December, and, and we went all over Japan, but uh, we flew in and out of Tokyo, um, you know, it was cold. Most of the trip, it was probably, like, low 30s, like, 
um, highs somewhere in the low 50s kind of thing, which um, it, it wasn't too bad. I mean, and they get snow every year, you know, um, in the northern part of the country, it was already snowing there and everything, but we didn't see anything where we were at. I think most most of that happens like during January, I guess. So, um, you said you do that for a go ruck event, right? Right. Yeah. So how many, like how many of these events outside of the United States have you done? So I've done three outside of the U S. Um, I had, I was assigned to one in Ireland, uh, maybe about two years ago. And at the same time I was, I had a team that we were going to compete, um, in the Bataan Memorial March, uh, out in New Mexico but, um, so because I already had a team like in, and this was like going to be St. Patrick's day event in, in Ireland. Oh my gosh. That would be yeah, so much fun. Um, it, w- it would have been awesome. But, uh, um, you know, I, I told, um, my go rec regional manager at the time, I told him, I was like, Hey, look, man, I, I can't do this because I've already committed to this team and it's the same, same weekend as, um, that event. So, uh, you know, it turned out that like I ended up having an injury not long thereafter. So I didn't do either one. Like I watched them both on Facebook, you know, so like, uh, <laughs> which, uh, yeah, it's, it's been weird. Um, <clears throat> this is the third year that I've tried to go out to Bataan. That first year I was injured. The second year I had to work in a different location, um, on that weekend. And then this year I was actually out there, um, which was like a week or two ago. Um, but I had to be back that same day for a wedding. So I was able to do like some of the events and stuff right before that. And then, uh, yeah, early that morning of the race just flew home. And so, so maybe next year I'm going to like actually go out and do it this time, you know, like fourth time's a charm, I guess. That'd be awesome. We were like, that's our five year anniversary goal is to go to Ireland. Mm. So that's like, that's a place that we both Kim and I have picked like, this is where we want to go and see it just like looks cool to us yeah i've never been um i spent a few months in the uk um for for work um which which was awesome like going up to scotland and everything and we did a lot of driving around in the country and got to see stonehenge and a whole bunch of castles and stuff and then at the end of that trip my wife came over i mean this is like 10 years ago kind of thing 11 years ago um and then we saw some more stuff uh in the uk and then went over to france and then uh down to normandy which which was really probably the highlight of my trip um and and speaking of japan i think there's three places on this earth that have a similar feeling um because it's a very powerful um place if if you haven't been um and you know you don't and it it doesn't look like anything that you know this major battle took place there you know it's you know really nice beach there's like a hotel restaurant kind of thing right there at um, omaha beach um and then there's there's not much else left you know there's a few like plaques and stuff here and there and um but but yeah, it's just a super f- powerful place. Um, you know, Hiroshima is another one of those, and oh, I can um, yeah, it's just a really, yeah, really powerful. Um, and then I would say Ground Zero 
and um, in New York City. We just is, uh, we just got back from there. Like that was pretty, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so so it's just a really intense type feeling that um, being in those places that um, I think a lot of others don't really have that same kind of feeling. But um, it, you know it's interesting in Hiroshima that you know. My son is six, you know, and so on, on the train ride there, you know, I, I figured, okay, the best way that I can explain to him the situation is to, like, maybe show him a YouTube video or something that kind of does, like, a really, like, high-level overview of what had happened and, like, everything leading up to it. And so, and so I did, and then we talked about it and everything, and um, just to, so hopefully he could grasp as much of what the significance um, of the place was and the history behind everything. And when, <clears throat> when we were leaving, um, there were, you know, this, this group of, and I, I saw this the first time I was there too, a couple years ago, a lot of kids that looked like they were taking field trips, you know, like Japanese kids that were a part of their school going to visit Hiroshima, the, um, ground zero for the blast site. And, there were, you know, a group of um, kids, school kids that were kind of sitting and waiting to go and, you know, tour the site or whatever. And um, and we were getting ready to leave, and some of the kids were waving at Colton, you know, my son, and, you know, which he, you know, we got him to wave back. Like, he's super shy sometimes kind of thing. But um, <clears throat> to me, like, it was that moment was super significant because I guess just how far like the world has come kind of thing, you know, like in a short period of time, really. Yeah. I mean, so, think about it. How, how long ago was it? Wasn't that long ago. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you know, years ago, like these two people, Americans and Japanese were, were enemies and like a lot of death occurred out of it, you know, and here we are, like where, you know, there's there's this peace, you know, kind of thing, and and it was totally demonstrated in just you know these kids from another country waving, you know, at a kid from another country, you yeah, know? who they can obviously tell is American, yeah, or something like that, yeah, yeah. and so that that was really cool, you know, it was one of those things. I was like, man, I, I'd really like to have had that, like a picture of that to like share with other people, and. Uh, but, you know, it's one of those things that's happening in the moment. You just don't... You yeah, know, you, but you, you got it. to take it all in, though. Yeah. I mean, that's almost more impactful sometimes than the picture. Is it, it being... Because it, we just got back from D.C. And went to the uh, National Mall there. And I knew it was going to be cool and excited to see it. I didn't know, like, as soon as you hit that World War II memorial, it's like, man, this place is pretty cool. Like, it's... It has, it does have an impact. Like places like that do have an impact. Just thinking about, because not to say, I mean, all my favorite movies are war movies, all of them. And I just have like a, a sense of, um, I don't know if it's pride or like appreciation for what they do. I get when I was little, very first movie I got to watch was The Dirty Dozen. That was a military type movie which is kind of silly, but I couldn't wait to see it again. Like, I wanted to see it over and over again, and the next one, you know, Dirty Dozen 2 or whatever. Um, and then I saw Saving Private Ryan in the theater, and I was like, favorite movie of all time. And when those gates drop, like you said, the impact, you can see nothing there, 
but you know exactly what happened, which is just like this terribly awful, crazy battle that happened that has such significance. Like, yeah, um, <clears throat> the interesting thing about Normandy is that you know when I was there, and just because of like I was still in the military at the time. You know, I'm looking at things from a tactical perspective, you know, um, oh, this which, is good. which like side this. would have the advantage and, and that kind of thing. And, um, you know, the way the beach is, it's um, it's I don't know the exact distance, but I would say, I don't know, it could be 100 meters, you know, that's just beach, you know, that's super flat. And then there's a really steep bank that goes up. And, and they're still like, I mean, they're overgrown with brush and things like that, but, um, they're still bunkers and, you know, probably some like pathways and stuff that, you know, the enemy was using and to see that, um, I mean, the enemy had total tactical advantage because they have the high ground and anybody coming on the beach has to, I mean, they're going to be seen from a long ways away, and then when they hit the beach, then they're in the open. There's no cover, you know, whatsoever other than um, those metal, you know, we call them dragon's teeth kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but um, but other than that, um, you know, looking at it from a tactical perspective, it's one of those things where it's like, how how were we successful at this? And um, Especially coming in, the boats that they had, they were just basically a target practice yeah and uh there's a there's a museum that's not too far away from the beach and you know we went through the museum and there's a video where they have um veterans of the of the war and stuff talking about it and uh, one guy said that it was numbers and sheer courage of those military people you know that uh, the allied forces that made them successful and I think that's totally true because they they didn't have the tactical advantage, you know, and I mean you just either fight through it or it's it's going to be even uglier, you know. No, so I mean you being in the military yourself in a situation like that where it just goes off the rails, like it's chaos. Do do you just kind of like adapt and make things happen at that point or do you still stick to kind of like a plan type of thing. How does that work? Like, do you think those people on the boat just scattered and made it work and came back together later? Or do they still just like know what they're supposed to do and try to like work around to make it back to that, that objective? Uh, you know, I, I can't begin to guess like what, what they were thinking or how that all played out for them. Um, I would say that everybody knew what, probably what the common goal was, you know? Um, but I would say for me personally, you know, my experience is that, um, you know, we have a saying that a plan is only a list of things that's not going to happen. So, um, and I mean, we are like SF guys, you know, special forces guys are like super big planners. Um, that's just, just what we do because we want to, plan for any kind of contingencies that, that could happen, whether it's casualties or a vehicle breaks down, or let's say that, and this has happened where, you know, we go out for a three hour long mission 
and two weeks later, you know, still have not gone back later. to the base kind of thing. So, <clears throat> so you're, you, you plan for, you know, you plan to do everything as if it were to go right, but you're also planning for everything if it doesn't. So, um, and, I mean, and you can't plan for every single thing, but, um, um, but I, I think wars is chaos in itself, you know, so there's a lot of things that, and you probably heard people say this where, you know, people say like training kicks in, in air quotes, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think that's very much true is that, um, and that's ideal under stressful situations. You don't have to think about anything. You just, you just do it, you know, because you've practiced it a million times over. So you don't, don't have to, to think about it and you can do it under tons and tons of stress. You know, it's like, um, if you were to, um, well, this is a good example. <clears throat> Let's say you have a, a gun safe, right? And you need to get into the safe as someone's breaking into your house. Tons and tons of stress, right? Um, you, that combination is going to be ugly trying to get that thing open, you know? Shaking the hands and like, oh, shoot, I hit the wrong number. Could you get to a point to where if you practice this thing, and this is not an exaggeration a thousand times over, that you could do that really well and really fast under stress? Probably so. Um, I, I don't recommend that for anybody, but, like, that's, a, that's an example to where um, you just do things so much in the military and we had the fortunate opportunity to have so much funding thrown towards us, towards training that we could do things, you know, so many times over in, in training. So then when it came to, to real life, you just, you just do them, you know? Yeah. Regardless of, you know, how, how stressful the situation or how crazy things get, you know, it's crazy. It's, it's, Really need to hear you say that because I just watched Free Solo and I'm I kind of like I, I'm fascinated by people who do extreme things a lot of times. Being in the action sports world myself for a little bit, um, I'm just fascinated their mindset. I never got like rock climbing is not my thing, but you know who Alex Honnold is? I don't. He, he does so he climbs without ropes and he just climbed El Cap without a rope, and they documented the whole thing like they did this whole documentary. And he basically like writes every move down over and over again because hmm. he's got no rope. I mean, he's falls. He, I mean, one error and he's dead. Yeah. And um, there's a scene in the van. It shows him practicing how many times he just goes up this thing, goes up, goes up, falls, goes up, falls. You know, like all the different mess ups that he has. And right before he does it, there's a scene in the van where he's going over all his notes and he goes down the list of every move every single move that he goes up there because he's done it like you said a thousand times and then at the end it says don't think like just let yourself do it you've done it yeah and then he makes it to the top like he climbs it you know in three hours so it's it's i mean very much the same thing i can't i i would probably equate the stress level to the same exact thing as yours one mistake and that's it yeah you know yeah um yeah, and like I said, we're just super fortunate to have had so much training. Um, you know, I still have a lot of my old teammates are still in, and um, I mean, at a minimum, three times a week, you know, they're going to the range and shoot, 
you know. And I can remember when I first got to a team that um, my team sergeant, who is basically the senior enlisted guy who's in charge of, you know, around a 10 to 12 man team, um, he told me, he's like, hey, look, you know, we're, we're about to go shoot more than an infantry battalion will shoot in an entire year, you know. And that's just like 10 dudes, you know, kind of thing. And, you know, when we, we go out to train kind of thing. Um, so it was just, um, I mean, my military experience as a whole was um, super positive And, yeah, just I had a, had a great time. You know, I, I did not want to leave, you know. And it was you didn't want to get out? I didn't. Um, and, you know, that that's a whole long story in itself. But um, it, it came down to that um, at a certain point, you know, they want to take guys from teams to go back to the schoolhouse. So um, guys that have graduated Special Forces Assessment and Selection and then now go through our pipeline, the, the Q course, um, which can take anywhere from a year and a half to two years for folks to complete, depending on some of their specialties. But, um, but they, you know, they want guys to come off teams, and then you go work at the schoolhouse for a couple years, and then you can go back to a team after that. And uh, for a couple years, you know, they were they were like, hey man, like you have. Um, some of the longest team time in the company, you know, some of the longest time in the company, like your numbers up to, to go to the schoolhouse. And, um, and I fought it and, <clears throat> you know, I was actually in UK at the time when I got an email from my team sergeant at the time. He's like, Hey, look, man, you can, um, <clears throat> you're going to have to go over to SWIC is what we call a uh, special warfare training group. Uh, he's like, you're going to have to go over there. And uh, I was like, well, I don't want to, you know. And he's like, we have two options. You can um, go to this other company or you can go over to SWIC. You know, I was like, well, I don't, I don't want to do either one. I just want to stay on the team, you know. And, um, and I did, you know. I, um, I was able to stay on. Um, and then at one point, um, the company sergeant major came down and told me he's like hey look like you've got orders you're going yeah there's nobody else that has more time in the company than you do you know you, you got to go and I looked at it from a really immature standpoint I think at the time because I mean I look back on it now had I gone to SWIC it it would have really benefited me you know because there's other instructor training and stuff like that that you get prior to, you know, teaching these guys. And, but I didn't look at it that way. I guess I looked at it from the mindset of I don't want to leave, you know, these people that I've been deploying with for the last however many years. Um, and I, I don't want to miss out. You know, I felt like I was going to miss out on more of the war if I did that. And, you know, here we more are. What you like to do. Like more like not necessarily war, but you liked being with them. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I mean, here we are today, you know, SF guys are in, uh, between 140 and 170 countries like right now, you know? So for soft special operation forces, it has not slowed down. Um, but you know, you can't predict the future. So, uh, but, um, 
you know how uh, old were you when you made like when you were forced to make that decision i was in my late 20s i, I want to say um something like that were but, you married at the time yep. too you were yeah um, wife was totally cool with everything yeah man um so uh i'll, I'll come back to that story because okay. that's a whole story in itself okay. Okay. um and it's one of my favorite to tell i i my wife doesn't ever get to hear it though because she just happens not to be around when people ask about it but um um but but yeah so i you know was fighting this um and you know i had orders cut and you know they told me my options then were to either um go over to swick or i could sign a deck statement which is declining orders um which is it, it probably doesn't look good you know um for for other people but for me i really didn't care like we had another deployment coming up and i was like i want to i'm going to be on it you know and um but when you decline orders it bars you from promotion it bars you from re-enlistment and and that's it you're done you know oh it's like a death sentence if you, you, you once you make that decision like you've made your decision for life yeah so he's like okay if that's what you want to do you know because i told him i was like i'll sign a deck statement you know i'm i'm not i'm not going over swick and like i said it was just um it, looking back on it it was really immature i guess because um, in the end it wouldn't have been bad for me you know to go over there um but at the same time I don't know. I feel like, um, and, and I hope, uh, others would think this too, is that, um, uh, I like to think that maybe there's people walking around today that, uh, probably wouldn't be had I not gone on that last deployment. Um, um, not to say that like I'm anybody special or anything like that, but, um, I just had a, at that point, having been on that same team for as long as I was and, you know, had been to Afghanistan so many times at that point that um, I was able to make a lot of recommendations and, you know, influence a lot of what we did, um, which I, I believe has um, probably helped us do a lot of good at, and also keep people safe. But, but yeah, so, um, but that was it, you know, um, and, you know, I never ended up having to sign the deck statement and I extended, you know, a couple months several times over, you know, um, cause I shouldn't even gone on that last deployment. I had enough, I didn't have enough time in the army to finish it, you know, which is like something that the army really doesn't let you do, you know? Um, did you just wiggle through the cracks on it? Yeah. You know, I actually asked, uh, that Sergeant major, I was like, Hey man, like, you know, what's the deal with this? Like, we're getting closer to the deployment, you know, and he's like, hey, you know, if nobody says anything, don't ask anymore. And I was like, okay, you know, and uh, I didn't ask anymore. And, but he, he really took care of me because, well, well, he let me, he let me stay. <laughs> you you stay. Obviously, obviously, you've been, people are trying to make you leave and they're like, no, no, no. Yeah. He, got you covered. He, he really took care of me and, um, he, um, like I said, he, you know, extended me, um, you know, helped me to extend my contract a couple months doing that a couple times over. 
So not only I could finish the deployment, but ultimately when I got back, I had time to get all my stuff together to, you know, move on to the, to, to the next thing. But he, um, and at the end too, you know, like, you know, we're in Afghanistan and, um, you know, I flew back to, you know, this major base that, that he was at and, um, you know, like our own guys were like, oh, we can't really extend this dude anymore. And he's like, all right, like, you know, just write up the paperwork. And then he walked this paperwork down to another unit. And I'm sure they saw this, like, you know, senior enlisted guy, you know, the Sergeant Major with Green Beret and Special Forces tab and everything. And he's like, hey, guys from this other unit, I need you to sign this paperwork, you know. And and they did. And I was able to extend for the for the last time, and um, that carried me over to get home and then have time to to transition out. Um, <clears throat> but you know, I, I think the other thing too that um, I didn't mention is that had I gone, I I understand now why they wanted you know, people like me to go back is that you want people to go to that schoolhouse who have, um, you know, relevant, you know, and recent experience that they can say, Hey, look, dude, I was, I was on a team like yesterday and this is the stuff that we were doing. And these are the things that work and this is what the enemy's doing and teaching that to guys that are ultimately going to, going to end up on a team. But again, I was just, um, uh, it's kind of like this childish, approach that I took to it at the time. You kind, it's, of, give it's, them, you kind of give them a head start, like, sure. giving, you know, the knowledge and you're sharing your knowledge of all the things. And, you know, it's just like anything else you level up and at that point, you know, those guys are going to go further than you with knowledge. You know, they're going to learn more and push the limits and do it's, you know, that's the way it is with everything that people succeed. They watch people and they realize that it's possible and how it's possible. They pick it up that much quicker. Yeah, and it ended up working out in the end uh, because I, <clears throat> I mean, while I was still on active duty, you know, once I started kind of terminal leave, Friday was <clears throat> um, right before Veterans Day. I, I cleaned out all my stuff out of the team room um, and, you know, cleaned out, you know, my locker and stuff. And then Monday was Veterans Day. And then that Tuesday, I started working another job and... Yeah, still got to deploy and and that whole thing. And uh, you know, a lot of times when my teammates were deployed, so was I. Um, just you know, as a civilian kind of thing. And um, like contract work stuff. Right? Yeah, and uh, it was a <clears throat> it was a whole another world that. Um, um, How did that tug at you? Like no, like your team goes. Do you know when they go? Oh yeah, and then and then they go, and you're not going with them exactly, right? Um, there are times where we might have been in Afghanistan at the same time, or we might have been in two different countries, kind of thing. Um, but I mean, I still had contact with a lot of them. There were times where I'd go back to the team room and um, and teach guys stuff that that I'd learned, um, even after technically being out of the military and um and i mean i was still going to team parties and stuff you know like when we're stateside you know we're hanging out um 
And because I mean, really, when I was on active duty, I spent more time with the team than I did my own family. Like, there's no question because, you know, when we're deployed, we're, we're stuck together, you know, and then when we're stateside, we're really not at home that much either. We're, we're usually gone for training somewhere. And so when you're at home, you're with these people, you know, with your teammates still. And, um, that's one thing that I, I never really thought about even. So I don't know how many people know that. Like, I think they think when you come back, you're just back for a while and you get to hang out with the family and you're saying you come back, but you're still theirs. Like you're still with them. Yeah. Um, which I really didn't pay too much attention to it at the time. Um, you know, I was having lots of fun, you know, I was working with some of the best people on the planet. Um, you know, the, the training was, was amazing. Um, got to see and do a lot of different things. I mean, I, I describe it as lifetimes worth of experiences in a short amount of time. And, and that's tough to beat. But um, so I, di- I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to the time away from home, but um, it wasn't until I got into contracting and I was at home a lot more, you know, and I started looking back and I was like, man, even though our trips were shorter than conventional military like I started like looking back like okay well I was just deployed um right before that was Christmas right before that it was deployed you know for a short period of time right before that I was gone for training I was home for a month and then I was gone for training for like four or five months so like like in you know and I could span that you know further back but you know I wasn't at home much out of out of the year um but um, my wife was, and she still is, uh, super supportive of anything I want to do, like no matter how stupid it is, you know. Uh, <laughs> there, there's only two things that um, uh, she's like really gotten pissed off at me that I said I wanted to, to pursue. But uh, uh, other than that, I mean, really anything that I'd want to do, she she would be supportive. I almost and, want to know the two things now. You yeah, said that. I don't know yeah, if you can so, share them or not. <laughs> yeah, so <clears throat> the first one, I was a contractor at the time, and um, you know, I had a fair amount of downtime when I was in the states, and you know, overseas was was hard work. Um, it was actually in some ways harder than when I was on active duty. Um, but there's reasons why for that. Um, but, you know, so um, I have a few tattoos and... Um, um, <laughs> a few tattoos. Yeah. Yeah, and, you got a couple. Yeah, and um, uh, I've now had, I think, two or three people that have done all of my tattoos. Um, but one guy has done most of them. Um I, I don't know, maybe in the neighborhood of like, uh, I don't know, 30 hours worth of tattooing, maybe 40 hours, something like that. And um, well, being a tattooed dork, who's the, who's the artist? Uh, Matt Green is his name. Matt Green. Where's he, where's he out of? So he was initially in, um, I think, Biloxi. And then Katrina um, like destroyed his shop and everything. And 
so he's the brother-in-law of one of my old teammates. And so he came up to uh, North Carolina to, to stay with one of my old teammates. And um, like he did so many of my tattoos like in my my kitchen you know in my house in north carolina which was yeah i'm like watching a movie like drinking beer while he's you know (laughs) tattooing me um and uh but but yeah he uh he had a shop in in north carolina and he helped another guy open another one there um about an hour away and um i last i heard i think he went back to mississippi but um i'm not for sure on that but anyways, you know, so, um, and, and he had kind of gotten this reputation, you know, of like tattooing mainly the soft guys that were, were there in North Carolina and, and, you know, and so like, I mean, you know, he came out to, um, the, the baby shower that we had for my son, you know, like maybe this sounds weird, but you know, a dude coming to a baby shower, but like all the ladies were upstairs doing the baby shower thing and like all the guys were downstairs like playing poker and stuff like that. It sounds like a way better baby shower than other baby showers. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, <laughs> but I still have this today. You know, he painted this big thing with my son's name on it and watercolors and everything. We still have it. Um, but, um, you know, I mean, he was more than just like a tattoo artist. He was like a buddy of mine. Yeah. Um, like as a baby shower gift, he told me he'd give me a free tattoo. And, uh, and so I got my son's name tattooed on, on my side, but, um, which was a cool baby shower gift, but, That's awesome. but anyway, so <laughs> this is like a long, longest answer. For... <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. I love it. So, love it. so he's, he's like, you know, like, um, he's telling me like for apprenticeships, you know, it costs lots of money, I don't know, maybe tens of thousands of dollars to do an apprenticeship, you know, to become a tattoo artist that they, they charge these apprentices kind of thing. And he's like, yeah, man, if it's something you'd be interested in, you know, I'm, I could hook you up with a deal on that. And, and at the time I had money too, you know, I was making good money as a contractor. And so it didn't matter about the cost. I was like, man, this sounds like a good idea, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so my wife was pregnant yeah. at the time and she was super angry man she was like i mean she's she's an awesome person but when she was pregnant she was ultra mean and uh <laughs> it, it she she won't deny that either but uh you know when i told her about this uh i was like hey you know what do you think about like me doing this whole like tattoo thing you know she was like, no, it's the stupidest thing ever. You're not going to amount to anything. And I'm just oh like. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> she, that's hilarious. Yeah, she, she, was, uh, uh, she was pissed about it. Can uh, you draw at least? I actually did a lot of uh, drawing um, as a kid. And, you know, later on I did. I mean, this is not so much like, you know, artwork necessarily with a sharp object, I guess, but, um, no, 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 I mean, there is a difference between all that and that's uh, all that stuff, but like you have artistic uh, yeah. ability. Yeah. I, I'm going into like, you're sitting there playing poker, drinking beer. And you're like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I, um, you know, I guess a time in my life where I got to use that is that, you know, not tattooing, but, um, I had a, 
gun manufacturing company and so did a lot of like coating and I just some I, you, um, did you have that here yes in town in yeah. college station yeah i met you right as you were doing that i don't know if you remember uh it was rebecca leishman is that her last uh-huh. name it used to mm-hmm. be her last name mm-hmm. she got married now you came over to college station crossfit when i was over there oh okay and yeah just to try like one of the uh-huh. i don't know if it's a saturday class you did yep. a free trial or whatever but yep. she introduced me to you you and another guy that yep. was there yep but I, I always remembered you. I was like, man, that's a cool dude. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, that was the first time that I ever did CrossFit. And gotcha. Then, uh, okay. But, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I got to do, and I'm still like, um, every now and again, I'll get to see a gun that, I mean, they have a lot of high-end components, but, um, but a lot of people don't understand what those are. And, but if it looks cool on the outside, you know, people are like, oh, it's probably like a badass gun. Um, so, but I mean, I got to do both, you know, like high end components and then put, you know, just amazing artwork on these things. And I have pictures of them and I haven't thought about this in a while, but I used to say that, um, whenever I would see some of these, like in the wild kind of thing, like, you know, see them again after people have owned them for a while, that I was just like, man, there's some of these guns that, um, I mean, are, are the, the colors and everything are very u- unique and the patterns and everything that, um, they're awesome. Like I would love to have them just hanging on a wall as a decorative piece, you know, because, um, I don't know, I, you know, that was just a part of me. I mean, it is a part of me like that creative yeah, kind of it. thing. So, but, um, the, the other one is, um, <laughs> this one was last year. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, recent. so recent, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I had been telling my wife that uh, I wanted the book The Alchemist. Um, I just heard a lot of good things about it, and um, I, I think it's my favorite book. I, I don't read a whole lot. I'm not a big reader. Um, you know, I would like to be, but it's just I don't know. The book has to be really good for me, otherwise I quit it. And I can't yeah. make it through. I can't force myself to read a book and retain any of the knowledge. So it either has to I have to be in it to read it all, and then I'll read it fast, or it takes me forever to get through something if you try to force it. Yeah. So this one is one that I recommend. But um you know, <laughs> I've been telling her I wanted it for a while. She got it and she she can't keep a secret, you know, um, she cannot buy a present and then wait till like in this case, Valentine's day to, to give it to me. She's like, don't you want like your present now? Like it came in and everything. I'm like, no, it's, it's okay. And I don't like presents to begin with, you know, like I'm not a big, like surprise type type guy. And she's like, no, no, like I want you to open it. And I'm like, all right, fine. You know, like I'll open this thing. And so she got me the book, the alchemist and I was on a trip for work right after that and I crushed that book on on the flight going over like the travel going to um that time it was Arizona and um it was awesome man and I recommend this book for probably someone around junior high and I recommend it for someone in high school and and beyond um one of the you know and, and it's fiction which um um, <clears throat> you know, I, 
I'm not into fiction books. Mm-hmm. And, I? Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, it's not my thing. But uh, it uses a story to get across some, like, key points that I think a lot of adults tend to push aside or, or forget that are associated with themselves. So one of them is, like, one of the main themes is, like, you know, do do what you love and what you're passionate about, you know. And and it's about this guy pursuing that. And, you know, it it doesn't necessarily matter if it's going to make you all these riches or anything like that. And um, so, you know, as kids, I think that there are things that we're super interested in and maybe have some talents for that, you know, for whatever reason, as we get older, it's like, oh, that'll never make you any money. You need to go be like, you know, an accountant or you need to go do this, you know, not there's anything wrong with that, you know, but, you know, they, whatever people are passionate about, that gets pushed to the side for whatever reason, you know, as they get older. And, and I think like, it probably makes people a little bit miserable, you know, because they're, they're, they're going throughout their life, um, not happy, you know, and doing what makes them happy. So I had been going to, Texas A&M for a period of 18 years at that point, <laughs> over a period of 18 years, um, <laughs> nothing to show for it, but, uh, I had started school back up, um, you know, taking a class at a time, just like, I'm going to just chip away at this thing. And I was loving it as like a real adult taking these classes. But, um, after reading this book, I was like, man, there's one thing that I was passionate about as a kid that I've totally just ignored, you know, and I was like, I don't have time to get back to that, you know, because I'm doing, I'm super busy with work, and, you know, I'm, I want to be a good dad and spend time, spend time with my son and spend time with family, like, I don't have time to squeeze in anything else, and so when I came back from that trip, I told my wife I was going to drop out of A&M for the third time and uh, take guitar lessons. And, uh, <laughs> oh, man, You're she was so... you drop out of A&M to take guitar lessons. Yes, she was so mad about it, so mad about it. And it's I find it super funny because every now and again, I'll still pick at her, you know, like, as if, like, yeah, I think next year I'm going to start, like, recording some songs and I'll quit like my real job and like all this other stuff like even though I'm totally not serious about it it's just something I enjoy and I just want to continue getting better at it and um and so so I did like I I made that my goal I finished out that semester and I found someone who teaches guitar lessons and she's awesome she's super super talented um, she plays a lot in, in town, Andrea Young, um, and it's been it, it's been tons of fun, you know. Like and yeah, I mean it's something I'm passionate about, and like I, you know, it's you know going to those lessons or it's one of my favorite things to do throughout the week um, when I get to go to those, as well as like just being able to play. Um, and, and I'm working on this, like the creative part of me, you know, like that. I mean, that's part of who I am is create, you know, like enjoying creating things. Um, I haven't got to the point where I'm like 
creating anything other than sounds, you know, but, uh, <laughs> but, but at some point, um, I, I want to get to the point where like I can create my own music, you know, but it, it's just a, it's a great outlet and it's something that I'm passionate about, you know, and, um, that book got me around to that, but that it, is, that's awesome. And I can tell you just, I, I wrote, um, I wrote a couple of songs just farting around, uh, playing guitar and we were talking about that out there, but, um, when I was really getting into it, 18, 19 years old, 20 years old, something like that, um, I actually, I had one song, and then people told me it sounded like it should be on the radio. And so I, people would ask me, I didn't know anything else. Like, I knew very few covers. I could barely strum the stupid thing, you know, in my opinion. But they asked me to play in front of everybody, and I can tell you right now, start trying to write it, because that's one of the coolest feelings in the world. It made me no money. Uh, I I can remember kind of how it goes. Um, good enough to like, and if I just keep playing it, I'll get yeah. it back. But that's a cool feeling that you won't ever regret learning guitar just for yeah. that one moment, even if it's just one. It, it's it's an awesome moment. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's tons of fun, and um, yeah, and my wife was super pissed about it. It's like the only two <laughs> things that like you were a special <laughs> operator and. You know, like the see, this is where I'm like, it's got to be almost harder to be the spouse in that situation. Because sure, you are told you have no control. Yeah, you have zero control, and you don't know what's going on. Your your mind's left to imagine what's going on with you. Yeah, it it's um, <clears throat> I mean, I I can't speak entirely from that perspective because I I haven't lived it right, but um, I think it takes a a special woman to to do that um, you know my wife put up with seven deployments and she would have put up with more um, had I continued to do that uh, on top of all the time that I was gone um, and and yeah it's a uh, it's difficult in a number of ways because she has to do everything um, you know she's taking care of everything back at home absolutely everything and Part of that is because it has to get done and I can't do it. And the other part was that um, she totally let me focus on my job. And I don't know if this was intentional or not, but I mean, I mean, the stakes are super high, you know, and by allowing me to do that um, and entirely focus on my job and not really have to worry about anything else, like whether some bill is getting paid or whatever, you know, that, you know, the house is taken care of or any of that stuff. Um, you know, I could entirely focus on something that, you know, would help us accomplish our mission and hopefully keep everybody safe. But, um, yeah. And we spent tons of time apart. It wasn't until, I mean, relatively recently that we're able to enjoy some anniversaries and stuff like that together. Um, but, <clears throat> But but yeah, when when I'm and actually when I met my wife, I was in the in the reserves in the army reserves at the time, and um, you know, we first started talking, and I told her I was like, hey, look, I'm going active duty, like, and as things were getting like, we're starting to date and stuff, I was like, hey, look, you know, we can hang out for the rest of the summer, but I'm going active duty at the end of the summer, and you know, that's it, like, 
like this is not going to continue on you know i'll be gone you know this is over with and she's like oh okay whatever and uh, um and that that was not the end of it um which i mean you know this is uh, an example of how you know there's a number of things in my life where these small things occur where it can put you on an entirely different trajectory and in this case uh, I hadn't signed a contract yet but I was you know working on getting all that stuff and uh, taking care of so that I could um, and you know went into Houston to sign my contract and stuff and um, I told my wife I was like hey look well you know we're dating at the time but I told her I was like hey look I'm gonna um, take a look at the contract I'll call you afterwards and and let you know um what it is and and that whole deal and you know when i'm signing um well cell phones weren't much of a thing back then that they, they were a thing but people like there's no smartphones that didn't exist like people didn't carry them you know 24 7 kind of deal and uh, so i tried calling her didn't get a hold of her and you know went in signed this contract um she then afterwards at some point calls me back and I tell her hey I signed this contract it's five years you know um and she was distraught she's crying uh she's upset she's like and I remember her saying this that she's like I don't think I can do that you know and had I got a hold of her prior to I don't know if I'd have signed a contract to go in the army you know um, but I already knew at that time that we were, we were probably going to get married at some point, you know? Really? Yeah. At yeah. that point in time? Yeah. A Co- like... couple months in, maybe yeah. at most, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I just knew, but, um, but yeah, had I got a hold of her beforehand and her response, and, you know, prior to signing a contract, I probably wouldn't have done it. My life would be entirely different, but, um, <clears throat> um, that was really the last of it, you know, she's cool, you know, she, uh, she, you know, she was upset at first about it, and then, um, she, but I, I think I managed expectations really well, you know, um, even when she came to, to visit, I can remember showing her, uh, a brochure, I, I don't know if I'd started, um, the Special Force Qualification course at the time, but, I showed her a brochure and it was talking about, you know, you know, as a recruiting type thing, but it was also talking about some of the hardship that families experience. They're trying to spin it in a positive. That's like, it's oh, a, it's a new honeymoon, you know, every year or something like that, because like you're gone and then you're back together kind of deal. Um, I mean, I, I think that was like, very close phrasing as to what was used, but, uh, but you know, it's one of those things like, Hey, look, you know, like, we're it is now after nine eleven like and this thing's only only getting bigger and and spinning faster so um but i mean you know she stuck with me through throughout that we got married right after i had finished the special force qualification course um in between that and reporting to uh third special forces group she uh you know we got married <clears throat> and I told her she was living in Texas at the time and I was in North Carolina and I told her I was like you know you can come back with me to North Carolina but 
when I sign into group, I don't know if I'm going to be deployed right away or or what, you know. And and at the time, the the op tempo was really high. So, and I, I mean, it still is. Like everybody's still deploying all the time. And um, and she told me, she said, you know what? Like even if you deploy right away, that's more time that I get to spend with you, you know. Because I was like, hey, you're going to come up and you know not know anybody or not know the area too well, and could be by yourself, you know. And she's like, no, I'll, I'll come up there and at least get a little bit of time with you before you go overseas. And so she did. And um, <clears throat> I signed into group and less than two weeks later, I was downrange. Uh, I was I was on my first deployment um, with their group at the time. And, and it was a great deployment. And when I came home, she had moved all of our shit into a house. She, you know, closed on a house, moved everything in there, um, decorated it and all that, like came into like a house that I'd never lived in and she had taken care of all of it, you know? Wow. And, um, you know, and I, I think, um, I mean, that's, that's just a small example of the kind of person that she is and how supportive that, that she has been throughout the whole thing. Um, I think, I don't know. I, I think for a lot of really successful guys in soft they have to have something similar um and i think it's extremely difficult to do it without that kind of support structure um you have to be a different kind of human to not let like troubles and stuff at home affect you sure mentally because i mean no matter what it is your mind's not going to be on that it's going to be back with the ones that you care about back there you know you married the person for a reason yeah. You know, or at least it would seem so, you know, sometimes mistakes are made, but sure. You know, you have to be a different sort of person not to let that eat at you a little bit, you know, or to at least be in the back of your mind and not be completely focused on the task at hand. Yeah. And, um, I mean, she, she did a, a lot to set me up for success, you know, and I'm super appreciative of that. Um, you know, I, I've, I do feel like that was like a totally different life. And then, and, and it was in a lot of ways, just the way that we lived, you know, and in some ways we lived similarly in that, um, very much at that time, nothing was, we did not take for granted that, you know, this could all be over with, you know, like what a crazy reality, man. Yeah. But I mean, That's we a were crazy thing to think we, about. We were, living life you know i mean like 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 pushing hard on living life whether it was like going out to the beach going to the mountains or whatever you know and enjoying uh, all the moments yeah and um, the time that we had together we we're just a thousand percent taking advantage of it and does it make like arguments and little disagreements and stuff go away faster when you're when you're living life like that where you know hey you know, this, this is the risk of my job. Uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, did it make you like, I guess both of you appreciate each other more and want, want more good moments or did it just like life isn't, you know, it's kind of normal. We're just doing a lot more things together. Yeah. I think maybe at the time, um, at least for myself is that there are probably a lot of things that I did not sweat that were small, you know? And, uh, because man, there's so much worse in life, you know, 
and um, <clears throat> I try and remind myself of that, you know, because I was explaining something to a coworker, and they're like, man, I'm surprised that you said that was like really stressful for you, like a guy who was in the military and did what you did, you know, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess you're right, you know, like that really, sh- <laughs> I shouldn't really sweat that, you know, and, uh, but, you know, I just, um, I guess I have to be reminded of some of that now because I'm not seeing like, you know, situations where, I mean, like a bad day is the worst day, you know, um, downrange and or seeing people that are living not like we do, you know, where they don't have running water, they don't have, you know, central air and heat and all that and the comforts that, that we do. And, um, and, and, you know, they're really poor people, you know, like as money wise. Um, and, you know, so because I'm not seeing that all the time, you know, I probably let more small things bother me. Whereas then I, I didn't, um, but I just got to remind myself of that, you know, that, Hey, like in the end, this, this ain't all that bad, you know? Um, so would you give like regular, like, so, I mean, not everybody's cut out for the military. That's I've, uh, I'm drawn to the, like, I have quite a few friends there in the military and I'm just drawn to that type of person for some reason. I, I never served, um, appreciate everybody that does and the lifestyle. Um, obviously the camaraderie attracts me to that, that sort of situation. I often fantasize like, Hey, I, you know, what would happen if I would have joined that? That might be pretty fun. You know, I, you know, just kind of imagine it in my head and just make believe stories. But would you suggest to somebody outside of your, like where you lived and living life, you, like you said, you want a hundred percent because you never know, like, you don't take anything for granted yeah. at that point. Would you su- suggest people live their lives if they've got like an office job like that? The same exact way? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, and I think we still do to a certain extent. I mean, the focus isn't so much on just us two anymore, you know, and it's more about, I, I mean, it, it really is about our son, you know, and so when we look at trips like that, it's, is this something that he's going to appreciate or should we save this trip for, for another time, you know, when he's a little bit older or, uh, that kind of thing. But, but I still think the, um, to, in a lot of ways, like we, we go hard in the paint, you know, when it comes to like, (laughs) um, doing stuff and like, yeah, just, I mean, not, I mean, not being sedentary, you know, and not just like, um, I don't know, just staying, staying at the house. It fills your soul, doesn't it? Yeah. To see that. And so as a kid stuck in a place, like I can speak from the other side, right? Uh, I'm I'm down the Rio Grande Valley. Right. And back then, even now it's a long ways away from anything. Like, I mean, we went to vacations in San Antonio. That's, where we could get to to go to vacations you know we didn't see much of the world and as soon as i got my driver's license and i was old enough i took off and tried to see you know colorado and these places i had kind of fantasized about and and i have kind of like a wanderlust spirit in me i just want to see places and what it did for me was open my eyes to different perspectives 
like you were saying, oh, you yeah. see people without running water and that sort of yeah. Like you see the way people live, it changes what you, th- how you thought and what you heard because what you hear and the stereotypes are correct to an extent, but they're not correct at all. Like, for instance, our New York trip, people were super nice in New York. Yeah, like they were they were fantastic. We talked yeah. to a cop forever, and he like held court. I mean, he he made sure he held court. He wasn't going to tell us where to go until he got through with his comedy routine with us. And it was it was a great time. Like yeah. everybody was pleasant to us, nice, you know, couldn't be more the opposite of what normal Texas people think about people up in the northeast. So, it opens your it just to all ways of life. Like it's the best education you can get. Yeah. So I I love New York City. Um yeah, the the people I've met up there same have been awesome. Um and it was a surprise to me because I'm not a city type type guy I'm, you know i said the same thing yeah. i'm an outdoors like wide open middle of the ocean and a kayak type of guy like that's why i am. like to camp like to build fires like minimal things you know hiking in the woods all that good stuff hunt fish and then that place something attracts me to it yeah um i, I want to go back um and that's a place we've talked about taking our son up to um you know and we talked about we're there me and my wife went up there maybe like two years ago, something like that. Um, but I didn't really want to take my son at the time, which sounds really strange, but because my wife hadn't seen, um, you know, Ground Zero and the memorials and stuff like that. And um, I really wanted to take her to see those. Um, but at the time, like, I was, that's, that wasn't something that I was really comfortable with sharing with my son um it wasn't actually until recently that um um you know he knew that i was in the army um and i actually in my mind i was like i'm not going to tell him that i was in the army you know and um but uh i i decided to to change that um you know and my whole reasoning behind that was that I didn't want him to, I mean, he's six, you know, so like, yeah. this is like, yeah. I'm like, I'm like such a like helicopter dad and everything, but, but, you know, I didn't want him to have to think that he has to do what I did in, in the military, like that he has to follow a similar path. Um, you know, there's a million positives that I got out of my time in the military, um, but also know like you know i mean like that could be it for you you know like you know that could one day you could, you could be killed you know and and that's it and that's a super tough thing right is that a scary thought for you or is this because i'm seeing it as you hear stories you know dads in the military they push their son to go you know if they love it they push their son to go in there because you're living up to dad's name you know type of stories you know you you hear that with some people are you trying to avoid that or are you more scared for him um i don't know i you know i'm just so overprotective um and the weird thing is i know that challenge and adversity and like living hard is going to make you a better person you know which is a weird thing that i would want to shield him from some of that but I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, like, whatever he wants to do, like, if he wants to, I don't know, like, hula hoop or something as a profession, like, I'm going to push him a thousand percent in that direction, you know, if he wants to, like, 
I don't know, pursue being a teacher, you know, and that's the thing that he loves the most. And I'm going to like pour everything I can into helping him do that. So, I mean, if the military military becomes his, his choice, then, you know, I will support that. But, um, but, you know, I, that was my whole reasoning for not sharing anything. Um, but I met a guy who told me that, you know, his dad was in World War II and, after his dad died is when he really found out all the stuff about his dad and his military service. And, and uh, you may have heard similar stories like that. And, you know, I was asking him what he thought about it, you know, cause he said his dad never talked about his time in the military. And he said, he told me that he felt it prevented a closer relationship by his dad, not sharing you know, that he was in the military. He told me, he's like, you don't have to glamorize war or anything like that, you know, but, you know, you can talk about like things that still are applicable in civilian life, you know, being a part of a good team, you know, and people that are, you know, working together to accomplish something and, you know, like truly pouring themselves and giving up themselves to that team as opposed to, you know, focusing on, on the, on the me and, and the individual um, and, and you can find that in other places as a civilian, you know, that's not just a military thing, but, um, um, but so, you know, he, in, he was right, you know, so I was like, I have to, um, at least share some of, some of that, you know, you know why that's really cool and interesting that you said it because literally a week ago, my uncle called me and my uncle was actually, so he's younger than my youngest brother. My grandma died when I was like, I think six or eight months old. And my grandfather remarried later on down the line to a younger lady and then had my uncle. Um, and he was in World War II, my grandpa was. And uh, he, my, my uncle called me because we're more like brothers than we are, you know, uncle and nephew. He likes to joke around and call me nephew. But um, he said, I'm gonna go, I, like I got with your mom and we, we found all these pictures of all these places and we found some of the places are still there. So he's going over to Europe and he's going to retrace steps and take pictures in the same spot that my That's grandfather awesome. took pictures in. That's so, cool. I mean, not sharing that, you would almost deprive of this cool moment. You know? Yeah. And the only reason we knew him is because he created, like yourself, he loved photography. And so he took pictures. Yeah. That's what he did while he's there. So. Yeah, I took a lot of pictures when I was overseas, and then I, there was a certain point around my fifth deployment, I pretty well stopped taking them for anything other than kind of work-related type pictures, um, which I'm kind of disappointed in myself for doing so, you know. I think I had just gotten to the point where, you know, maybe like I'd seen enough of this, you know, and I'd been running pretty hard, but... You know, and then, you know, I'm not going to take a picture of another mountain, you know, and like <laughs> this, but, <clears throat> but, and it's not so much that, you know, that it would be something different that I would take a picture of is that like, Hey, these are just pictures from that trip. You know, even if it's like a similar looking mountain that I took yeah. a picture of, you know, like six or seven years ago kind of thing. You can show it to your kids and they, like, it tells us a little story. Yeah. You know, places you've been. But, but yeah, um, um, 
yeah, glad that I have that hard drive of, of photos from more photos from the earlier trips, but, um, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I think it's important to, to share those stories. I think just in general, I, I think it's super important for veterans to, well, actually people in general, I mean, that's, that's how, you know, lessons were taught, you know, and passed down, like before there was, you know, books to be handed around, like everything was taught in stories, you know, and shared in stories. And, um, you know, it's, it's much more interesting to learn something from a story versus, you know, somebody just like reading you facts, you know, like, and if they can, you know, tell a story that teaches you those, uh, it's kind of like the alchemist, you know, they're using a story to, to teach some points kind of thing. Uh, it just has a lot more value and you remember it better, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, man, uh, been slowly sharing some stuff with him. Uh, the big step was just letting him know that I was in, in the army. Sounds crazy to say that, but, um, but yeah, um, I get it. It kind of of feels like a life, like you said, it feels like a, a different life. Um, I mean, nowhere close to your position but like you know Kim making regionals you know across the she doesn't view herself as like because like oh that's it's another life like it's nothing not that it's not special but to speak like from my experience and the things that I've done I don't look at it I look at everybody now like man they're so good and everything's so amazing and I wasn't that good at the time anyway so it's not really that like I wasn't really that crazy, you know, it's not really that crazy of a story to me. Like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. look, I'm not going to brag about it because there were people further ahead of me, you know? That, like, so, and it feels like another life. It doesn't even feel like the same life. Like, yeah. I know I did it, but it doesn't feel like it was, it feels like it was a different person almost. Sure. At a different moment in time. So that's the best I can relate. And that, nowhere close to be relating to your story or anything like that. But, um, to be similar in that sense, it's like sometimes you do things and then when it, it feels like a diff, almost a different person did that. Yeah, and I would say when it comes to, <clears throat> I, I don't think this is the situation that we have, but it just reminded me of this, is that I think some people, non-veterans, sometimes feel that they cannot connect or relate to veterans because their experiences, you know, they perceive them to be so different, you know, and, and maybe they are, you know, but what I think people need to realize is that you don't have to have the same experiences, you know, just people in general have like wild and crazy different experiences, but it's the feelings, you know, the emotions that, that we can connect on because, um, you know, you know, we know what it feels like to be scared or to be happy or to have grief, you know, these different emotions, like we all experience these at some point in our life, you know, it's just tied to a different experience. So, so I think, I don't know that, that we can, everybody can connect on this regardless of, of experience. Um, but I think, you know, I, I love the perspective thing. Um, you know, Sometimes I wish that people could see all these other places, you know, to, I mean, to, and, you know, like I said, I'm guilty of it too. Like sometimes like 
you know, sweating some small things when it's like, dude, we don't have it bad at all. Like, man, go over to Syria or, you know, some of these other places where it's just war-torn and, you know. Not just, just with us. Like, it, they've been at war forever. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, we, we have it so good. And, um, yeah, having that perspective that, man, you know, some things aren't all that bad, you know, like somebody freaking out over a parking spot or something like no it's it's really not that bad you know like you're listening to whatever song you want to play through like bluetooth in your like air conditioned car kind of thing and you're only going to fill the elements from like that 20 feet from your car into the restaurant or whatever you know and we're going to have some like hot meal kind of thing it, you know whatever you choose kind of deal um and you know i yeah perspective is is so huge. And I, I think that was part of why, you know, I wanted to take my family over to Japan um, this last time, you know, so they could see something from that. It's not, it's modernized, right? It's, it's westernized. You know, they have a lot of modern conveniences like we do, but um, it's just a different culture. And, and it's what it comes down to is seeing things from a different perspective, like a different way of doing things. And, um, yeah, I, I think that's, it's important to have in life. And our plan is to get more of those, you know, because we've gone to some nice places, you know, as, as a family, like, you know, with my son, but, uh, we've talked about, like, we want to go to a place where it's not nice and, and it sucks, you know, because then you have that appreciation, you have that other perspective, like, Hey, you know, not everybody lives like the way that we do, you know, and we need to be thankful for that. Yeah. I, mean, I could not agree with you more. Uh, living right on the border, I did several mission trips down into Mexico, like way down into Mexico with like, not this big group of people where you take a picture type of thing. It was like three of us with one guy that we go to, into their town and we would just like, see how they live, talk to the people, help them out with what they needed, hike up to see other people that were sick maybe and just to say hi, like to show appreciation for the people there. And you get to see like one, how clean some of them can be in such a weird situation, like dirt floors, but they've made them hard and then they sweep them all the time. Yeah. The women are constantly sweeping, everything's clean and neat. They're not they're not trashy, you know, it's, it's very nice as far as for the elements that they had and they built it all by hand and made it. And then the next one that people take totally for granted is our running water. Yeah. Our water system. Yeah. They, they had running water one spot in like a village and then you couldn't drink that water. It came out like green. Yeah. It was not drinkable water. Like people around the world don't have the same sort of systems where you can just go get water from any place and drink it yeah you know you know so there's a different perspective that you gain from some of those places that are like like you said yeah <clears throat> the example that i give is uh um my last trip on active duty um the water that we used to take showers with came out of the river which was you know right next to our base and um you know, it had a lot of like fecal content in the water. And, um, you know, so we had to, you know, the medics like treated it with whatever chemicals. I don't know. Um, even still it was like high and people got sick and everything, but really, um, <clears throat> yeah. And, uh, but you know, we had showers, which was 
was good, you know. Um, but uh, like we have some stuff to like treat this and to make it a little bit better. Whereas like the same place where we're like pumping this water out to use, there's a guy there drinking it, and just up the river is a guy who's bathing in it, and just up the river from him is a guy who's like taking a dump in the river, kind of thing, you know. So like it's uh, and, but that's what they've got, you know, and um, yeah, it's just. It's crazy, man. <laughs> well, you officially have my longest podcast ever. We're at almost an hour and 20 minutes. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> right on, man. I mean, we can keep going if you want. I don't, I don't up, care. Yeah. But, uh, it's up to you, man. I mean, I don't know if you have anywhere to go. If you have I any don't. other stories you want to tell, did, uh, like... The one, like, did you? It was that the story you wanted to share about your wife there? No, the one, the one that I told was um, about, you know, the whole process of me like joining the the military and and stuff like that, and you know, reporting to group and everything. Yeah, and, yeah, that that story. Um, you know, I I just can't, um, you know, convey how great she has been through through everything um and i would say you know and and maybe that's not even the hard part you know like everything that she did while i was in the military and as a contractor um you know i would say yeah i mean she could tell you better than i could but um you know i would say it's when i walked away from all of that is when it was probably probably the hardest time for for both of us um yeah just you know i maybe heard the transitioning out of the military maybe it's difficult for some folks um but i was like man i've been a civilian for for three years you know um this is no big deal like i've like i've crushed this you know and <laughs> but i mean the thing was like i was still doing military stuff you know still deploying and I was around military people, you know, quite a bit of the time and, you know, still hanging out with old teammates and stuff, you know, and, um, so, so in a sense, I really, you know, I was out of the military, but in a way I, I wasn't, um, and it wasn't until I totally uprooted from all that stuff that it was, it was really difficult, um, and I think it was difficult for a number of reasons. So, um, you know, there's a lot of things that I understand about just people, how people are now that I, I really didn't back then, but. Cause you're in a bubble. Like you're in a bubble of your world. Like you're in the military world. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was, was very much, um, in, in that bubble and, <clears throat> You know, when when I moved back here, so I got back from my last deployment and less than two months later had, you know, sold our house, gotten rid of like all of our stuff, moved everything that we had left back to, to Texas to be around family and everything. And, you know, I, I had, I actually had some really good plans, um, you know, as a part of my transition to set me up for success. And... Um, and 
several years prior to that, when I was getting out of the army, there's classes that are offered, you know, like if you want to know how to write a resume or do a 30 second commercial, like, you know, how to work a job fair, all this stuff. Like I took every single one of those, you know, and, um, they've been beneficial for me, like sharing that with other people, but, uh, I haven't used it a whole lot for myself. Um, but you know, just cause I got really lucky with, you know, my transition and stuff initially, but, um, <clears throat> yeah, it was, it was super difficult, you know, had a lot of plans, um, in place. Um, so it wasn't like, I was just like, oh, I'm gonna walk away from this and be done with it. And maybe something will come together, you know, yeah. uh, that's not the approach that I took, you know, cause again, like SF guys are big planners planner, yeah. guys. Yep. and you know, you gotta have, have some plans in place. And so, um, and some stuff was working out initially, but, um, man, I, you know, I had a real hard time connecting to the community, you know, a super veteran friendly community. Um, but you know, I was just, um, I don't know. I had a hard time. Like I went to several different veteran organizations and, um, they, they weren't a good fit, you know, and, um, one of the challenges was I didn't know this. One of the ones we went to, like I brought my wife with me, you know, and they're like, Nope, she can't come in because she's not a veteran. And I'm like, man, the last thing I want to do is like, I, I spent all this time away from her. You know, the last thing I want to do is like get into something else where I'm going to be, you know, more away from her again, you know? So Wouldn't that help like help out, on the back end of everything to actually, I don't know what they do there in the organizations and whatnot and have you, but um, if they hear conversations, people talking, experiences, it like it can make you appreciate, like you said, hearing a story can is way better than reading books. Hearing somebody tell it and seeing their face and all these different things, you know, they can help the other person appreciate what they're trying to struggle with and go through at the same time. Yeah. Um... But it just, um, yeah, so it was, yeah, it was, it was difficult, you know, and, um, tried to get involved in something, you know, and it just was not a good fit. And so it got to a point to where I was like, you know, and I became really bitter, man. Uh, I was an awful person at this time. Um, like I said, so this is, this, my wife may say this may be the hardest the you know time for her having to like deal with me like the other stuff may have been easy in comparison um but you know i became super bitter um you know i can remember one day seeing a kid walking you know i mean like 18 19 year old kid walking across the street you know in the middle of the afternoon in pajamas like going over to to starbucks or whatever and I can remember being so angry at that um, because what it represented to me is that this is what this town cares about. They care about this 18, 19-year-old kid who hasn't done anything for this country, for this community, you know, and that's what they're putting their importance on. That's what all the businesses are geared towards. Like, I hate this place. I hate the U.S., you know, like I want to get out. You know, and I felt that I did not belong 
like my home was not in the U.S. anymore. Like this is not where I fit in, you know. Like my home, I spent so much time overseas. I was like, that's where I belong, you know. That's where I need to go back to. Super shitty thing to say, you know, um, because like I've given so much of myself for, you know, this, you know, a place that I, I don't really belong. I feel like I belong, and um, and. Uh, so then that's when I started trying to go back overseas, you know, um, uh, had a lot of paperwork done, got my passport stuff updated and everything and, um, or renewed. And, um, you know, I had done no self care up until this point. Um, you know, I had seven deployments, um, physically and mentally I was broken, you know, like I just, you know, I, and I, I couldn't get back to the place that I felt like if I was going to go overseas with this guy, this is not the guy that I would want to take talking about myself, talking about yourself. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Because, you know, I was just, yeah, run down, man. I, you know, um, it, it had taken its toll and I had done nothing to take care of myself. And, um, and so basically like, I had a lot of injuries that were coming up that were not allowing me to get back in the shape that I felt like I needed to be. And, and so then I was stuck, man. Like, you know, I, I never followed through with, you know, trying to even get back overseas at that point. And I was like, you know, I don't belong here in the States. I can't get back overseas where I feel like is. I belong, you know, it's the only place that's worked out well for me, for my adult life, you know, all of my adult life. And I, and I, I can't get there. Um, you know, it was just, you know, a super, super shitty feeling to not have a place. And, uh, it was incredibly tough. Um, but, um, you know, like, I mean, my wife was dealing with the awful person that I was at the time, you know, trying to like work through all that. And, um, you know, kind of the, the short story is, is that, um, I got involved with, you know, team red, white and blue, you know, who I, I work for now, but, um, I got involved with them, you know, initially as, you know, volunteer leader for a couple of years and, you know, I found all of the things that I was missing. You know, I was able to connect with the community. Um, my wife was able, my wife and son um, were able to be a part of the organization, do all this stuff with me. Um, and it's not just, just veterans, you know, like um, the guy that kind of connected me with the group in town that was trying to get started up, um, you know, is, is not a veteran. And, um, we are still, he's like one of the closest friends that I have in town, you know? And, uh, and to me, that's like truly connecting with the community. It's not just veterans. It's, it's non-veterans. It's just, just people, you know, that are in, in your community. And, um, you know, I was able to, you know, I got active again and, um, you know, I ran the cycle of like getting back in shape and stuff and injury and all that, but, uh, I'm back on the upswing on that again, but, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, 
but again, you know, it's just, you know, I needed to take care of myself and, and I didn't, um, and try to fight through it. And, but, but I mean, that has to do with kind of your, your job. You kind of have to be that way. Like your job in the military, it would almost seem to me like, let's go ahead and bring it down. Like a lot of levels, obviously not on the same thing, but like a fighter, if he wants to go in the ring, he's got to think I can beat everybody. He's not asking everybody for help. You know, it's him versus somebody else in, in, the, in the cage type of thing, right? So you have to have that attitude when you go over there, like you and your team, like you can handle it. Like you're a guy that can handle things. Yeah. I've handled all this. Now I can handle this. No problem, right? I don't, I don't need to do that, do I? And yeah. It, it, that's a tough thing, I think, for... And I read that book, Tribe, so that's the only uh, thing. Great where book. I, yeah. That's great the only book. thing I can appreciate is the appreciation, and people don't... People can't. People like myself cannot understand you at all, and what you did, because I've never seen it. I've never experienced it. I've never been over there and done that. I can only have an appreciation for it, you know, but I can't fully get into your mind, and and those sort of things. So it, it makes it. I I feel like it would make it really tough for you, like a tough thing for you to figure out how to handle. Yeah, and it's, you know, it has less to do with the things that I saw and did then it has to do with a couple things um, you know I need to be connected to people you know like we are social creatures like without connection there is suffering you know and I just needed to be a part of something you know again and to be connected with others um, and then I mean just just being active you know uh, you know it's it's good for your body and it's gonna make you feel good too you know um, and then the other is, is purpose. And this is all how RWB defines enrichment when they talk about enriching veterans' lives. Those are the three things we offer, health, people, and purpose, you know. And so for me, a purpose, it, it, like, gave me the opportunity to serve again, you know. Like, this is me serving as a volunteer leader for my community and doing something good for for the community and, and for others. And, um, and it was all fun at the same time, you know, which made it even better. But, um, but yeah, it had less to do with anything else, you know, that I saw or did, you know, um, and everybody's affected differently by, by that kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, for, I, you know, I think, I think this is people in general though. Um, and, and if you forget those things, um, I think the best way to describe it which I'm sure something similar is mentioned in tribe and how indigenous people live mm -hmm. is that I think if you try and take aspects of the way that they lived and incorporate it into your life, you will be happy. So, you know, indigenous people, they don't and didn't, they don't eat like junk, you know, processed crap you know they're not eating doritos and marshmallows and things like that you know they're right. they're probably eating a little better right um they're probably outside quite a bit you know yeah. uh so getting outside and there's such a emphasis on their community you know their tribe and that's what i'm doing man like we just moved um in january so like three months ago two months ago and some change and that's what I'm doing, man. Like before we even moved in, 
like we went and visited neighbors and stuff and brought I them cookies it. and everything and like introduced ourselves and um i just got on like the next door app and you know just introduced ourselves to that and uh, they don't know it yet but um at least i hope me and my wife are but at, at least me like you know we're going to be leaders in our little neighborhood you know what i mean like yeah. i'm going to the board meeting next week and you know, I'm going to sit in on that thing and like, I'm going to, you know what I mean? Like I want to, I want to bring, bring everybody together as opposed to like, no one talks to each other or anything like that. You know, no one talks to their neighbors, you know? No, it's totally true. I couldn't agree with you more on that right there. When I was growing up, that's all the neighborhood kids played. You knew everybody as a neighbor, you know, that's that's what you did. And um, now, I mean, nobody does. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy that they don't know you know, the person that lives right next door to them. Yeah. They wake up. That, like, Sam's one of my best friends. He lives next door to me. Cool. Like, uh, that's that's a really important thing for me. And that, now, yeah. I mean, you're connecting dots here and to hear it from your point of view, like how it helped you just to be, like, have a sense of community and what a simple thing it is, but I don't know how we lost it. I don't know. Uh, I heard a statistic the other day that... Um what is that uh, 33% of people did not trust their neighbor, you know, maybe back in like the sixties or so, maybe earlier than that. Um, they're right, saying, cause you saw them, you saw that they're, you can see what they're doing. Yeah, maybe. Um, but they're saying now it's 77% of people do not trust their neighbors, which, uh, Flip it on its head. probably has something to do with just not connecting with those people. And, you know, in in an indigenous type of community like all those people have to rely on each other for survival and if you're not like helping the group man they will do something to change your mind about that you know yes or 100 or or you're done and um you know i don't think we can get to that level of it but um at a minimum like and i think my neighborhood's already on the right page because i was scrolling through next door you know they've they've done like community hay rides and stuff like that and oh, that's cool. you know they get together for new year's and do fireworks and everything oh and that's so, neat i like that so, so yeah man uh, but it's, it's only going to go further up from here uh, <laughs> but <laughs> they don't know what hit them yet <laughs> but yeah but i i think that's um i think that's the way you got to live you know and um you know if, if you're, you're getting outside being active and you know trying to eat some eat well you know eat some good food and uh connecting with others and um and then you know having a purpose you know what whatever that may be and that could be like you know i guess back then or some indigenous cultures you know that purpose is is the tribe and serving that that team you know so um so yeah man i I think that's what um makes it work man this is awesome I could keep going, but I'm, I'm sure we'll I need to do it one. at some point in time. Yeah, we'll, we'll do another one, man. All right, all right. I'm going to hold you to that. That's <laughs> awesome, man. Thanks, CT. Yeah, man.